Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. What do you do? What's what's your What's your regular day look like when you talk about practices? Uh, when you're at home and you're not touring and you're working uh, on a regular day, like let's say on a Monday, what does Krishna Das do on a Monday as his day? And what does the practice look like? Are you like from the you? National Enquirer or something? Yes. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. My ass. Well, the first thing I do. The most important thing I do, and I suggest you all try this as well, wake up. 
you know, literally wake up. That's the first step. Then roll over, go back to sleep for a while, because I'm not working. You might be. <laughs> well, I try to do some practice every day. And um, whether it's chanting or mantra or sitting or some asana or some breathing, who knows what it is. Um, because it's good to do something every day. And you know, that's it, basically. I just like, you know, mope around the house, watch some TV, and try to do it again the next day. There's nothing special, you know. I, I actually like, I like, I never thought I would say this, so, you know, this is kind of a confession, but I like discipline. I mean, spiritual discipline. You know that? I know this is Miami, so I have to be careful. I like, I like to wake up the same place every day, same time, do some stuff, go through the day. I like, like when I'm in India and I'm in the temple, you know, it's the same every day. I really like that. I start to slow down. But, you know, that's not what my life's about right now. So I have to accept that I'm always moving. And I just try to remember to remember as much as I can. There's no particular formula. But something every day is good. You know, like if I have to get up and get out, then I get up and get out. And I don't do anything. And I always say, oh, okay, I'll do it in the afternoon when I get back. But I know I'm bullshitting myself. Yeah, just do the best I can. So, you know, when I started singing with people, it was very, very, very specifically that I understood that chanting was the only chanting with people. It wasn't, I, I didn't make this up. This was, this was downloaded into the hardware, the software in the brain here. If I didn't sing with people, I would never be, I would never be able to clean out the dark shadows in my own heart. This was the only way that I had. I didn't like that. I was very happy being unhappy. And I, it was very hard for me to, you know, come out of the kirtan closet, so to speak, and start singing with people. But it was very much with people. And it's really what saved my life. This is the main practice that I do. I do a lot of other things, but this is the main practice I do. And um, it's, it, it, I'm doing it for me to save my ass, but I recognize that as time has gone on, my ass has gotten wider and wider include a lot of other people. So it's good for everybody. It's good for me anyway. That's the main thing. And um, yeah, it's the, I, I, I actually like doing this. Can you imagine liking what you actually have to do? That's big time. That's a blessing. So I, I appreciate that very much, you know.
And I appreciate that anybody comes to sing with me because if you didn't come, well, if you didn't come today, I'd be watching the goddamn playoffs. <laughs> Thanks. I remember once in LA, we were doing a workshop and it was like 45 minutes before and only three people had showed up, you know? So I said to the organizer, say, you know, if, if more than eight people don't come, I'll take everybody out to lunch. But so they showed up. <laughs> so you just try to do the best you can. Find something that you can do a little bit of every day, you know? Because eventually, eventually, everything that enters into your awareness through the course of the day, you try to find a way to meet that in a good way. Whether it's walking through the supermarket, you know, or whether it's driving your car or talking to people. Because you're, 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 you've committed a lot of, uh, um, because you really want to live in the heart and you really want to be able to feel that kind of love that doesn't come and go. Your energy starts to move within, so to speak. And what happens is when something comes at us or into our field, we tend to just react automatically. But the more practice we do, that moment of reaction, that instant of reaction, actually spreads out, it gets slow motion. And you get a little vote as to how you meet somebody or meet a situation. Like, uh, we're just on the way here today. I was driving up Biscayne Boulevard and I thought we were going to turn at 24th Street. So somebody in the back seat said, no, it's 21st Street when we were at 23rd. And I said, oh, thanks. Right? And that person is still alive today. So that's a big thing. So it changes the way you go through your day. You know, you don't, it's not all about me all the time in a very tight way. It's more about a me that is really seeking to live in the world in a, more in the present moment, more in that kind of loving presence that's always just underneath all our thoughts and all our emotions and all our stuff. So your whole life becomes your practice. Yeah, I just finished binge-watching uh, Fringe. All six seasons. In one day. I couldn't uncross my eyes for two weeks after that. Yeah, somebody. Okay, Hal, over here. Uh, my name's Alan. Thank you and welcome. Thank you and welcome. Uh, you said a couple things, li liking what you do and uh, so forth. So um, this is probably something you haven't heard before <laughs> about your music. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I work in an emergency room, and uh, so I do CPR a lot. And mm -hmm. what they teach us is when you're doing compressions, you do staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> ha, ha. I mean, please. <laughs> so <laughs> I always do... 
uh, rom, rom, rom. And then that lead, I need a cadence with that. Uh-huh. So it's always rom, sita, rom, 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 sita, rom, sita, rom, sita, rom. So you're in places you're not aware of, possibly. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's one of the better places I'm not aware of. Thank you. <laughs> and about liking, you know, what you said is so important with practice. Um, you know, we see so many things that are, I mean, when the rubber hits the road, and not just when things are going well that we practice. And, um, but what I'm grateful for is the years of, I call it putting uh, enough deposit in the spiritual bank account so that when the shit hits the road, you can make a withdrawal mm-hmm. and make it through. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know, not necessarily a question, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, one of the things that when I realized, when I meant, so, what I really kind of, was trying to say when I said I'm doing something I like. It's actually something I can give myself to 100%. For me, this is it. it. Doesn't mean it's better than anything else. It's just what it is. Many years ago, uh, before I went to India, we were up at the Lama Foundation in New Mexico. It's a commune up on the mountain, and uh, in the winter we spent some time up there and. Uh, we heard about this guy, a New York artist named Herman, who was living down the mountain, who had been to India, and he knew how to meditate. So it was, wow, okay. So we went to see him, a bunch of us, and uh, I was sitting in the back of the room, just kind of listening. So then came time to go, and everybody went out the door. I was the last one out the door, and he just grabbed me. And he looked at me and he said, you, you have to find out why you can't give yourself a hundred percent to whatever you're doing. You you ever see like a squirrel on the wall of a taxidermy shop? I was nailed to the wall. He got me so, he just got me so perfectly. I, I can remember that like it was yesterday. It was 50 years ago. 50 years? Holy shit. It was 50 years ago. So, uh, okay, 49. And the thing is, then I began to notice that I was never fully engaged. There was always a part of me holding back or, or just afraid of letting go, you know? And I started to see that everywhere in my life, in everything. It was freaky. And I became very aware of it, which was a good thing. It was painful, but it was very good. And then when I got to India and I heard chanting for the first time, I knew this is something I could really do. I was, I knew that I would be able to do this, right? I might be able to be able to do this a hundred percent. It was one of the, I, I just got right into it. So for me, that's, you know, and it doesn't matter whether working in an emergency room, doing something else, if you can really be present right there with you as things are happening, as you're doing things, that's a very big thing. That's really uh, a powerful, uh, very powerful position to take as you go through your day. Really be with whatever you're doing. Don't try to be somewhere else. Don't think, oh, if I can only get home and meditate. No. Be there at that moment. And to even remember to do that is a big thing. 
we're all trying to get somewhere else. We're all trying to be somewhere else. We're always trying to be somebody else. We're all trying to get some other experience that we think is going to be better. Nope, it won't be. We're trying to be being here in the moment, now. It's always now. In 10 minutes, if we ask ourselves, where, what is this? It'll be now, right? It won't be later. Later's later in from the now. <laughs> so if we could just be with ourselves as we go through our day and not be trying, you know, and you can, there's all kinds of techniques for that. You can do mantras, you can keep a mantra going, and that will keep bringing you back. Not, it won't take you away. At one stage, it might seem like it's taking you away from the moment. But as it deepens, that mantra is more like an anchor into the moment, and it holds you right here. And so you go through the whole day, and you're always here, always in that space of openness. So, it's hard to talk about here because if you talk about it, you're not in it, so to speak. But uh, we're always here, even when we forget to remember we're still here. Like you go to a movie, right? And it's a really good movie, which means that you're completely gone for the whole movie. And then at the end of the movie, you go, wow, that was great. But you haven't been present for two hours. You know, you've been out there. That's why they call it a good movie. <laughs> it's like everybody in L.A., you know, they don't give a shit about you. They just want to know how you think about them, you know. Hi, how you doing? What they're really saying is, hi, what do you think of me? That's why it's called the entertainment business. So, yeah. Thank you. These mantras, you know, this space within us, this presence is always here. We're always here. The fact that we're uh, not aware of it is the whole issue. So what we train ourselves when we do practices or we chant or we sit or we do asana practice with some paying attention we're training ourselves to be with what's happening in the moment and not be gone with the thoughts. So if we chanting, we start chanting, you know, I swear, within 30 seconds, everybody in the room has been gone already and probably come back if you're paying attention. It's just, that's the way it works. You're still chanting. You're still making noise with your mouth and you're breathing. But you're thinking about tomorrow, or you're, or you're this something else, or you're thinking about the person next to you. And then you recognize that you're gone, and you come back. Again, and 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 again, until so you take your last breath, and then you keep doing it anyway. <laughs> That's practice. So you find something that is sticky enough that you can remember to do it. Maharaji didn't teach, you know, he didn't give lectures. 
You didn't write books. You just hit you in the heart with a banana when you weren't paying attention. You know, he kept bringing us back from Nunu land, you know. He kept bringing us back into that loving presence. And our stuff would take us out, he'd bring us back. Our stuff would take us out, he'd bring us back. Because he had no fear. He was completely here all the time, totally open, the whole universe. When I was going to kill myself, you know, I was going to jump in the river, which was only six inches deep. But I thought if I could get my head, like, underneath one of the rocks, it might work. He just looked at me and said, what are you going to do, jump in the river? <laughs> he didn't seem at all bothered by that. He said, can't kill yourself. He said, worldly people don't die. What? Worldly people don't die. Yeah, yeah, he said. Little Hindu man with a blanket up in the Hanuman temple. He said, worldly people don't die. Only Jesus died the real death. What? Why? He never thought of himself. It was the chanting, actually, that released me from that little whirling hurricane uh, tornado of thinking, which we live in all the time, all day long. Our minds are like tornadoes. They never stop. But the chanting and the blessings of Maharaj freed me from that so I could see that. And then it was okay if I forgot because I remember. You forget, you remember. You forget, you remember. What else? No big deal. So that was a big day. But I still got into a lot of trouble. Doesn't make you a different person. <laughs> no, never mind. Could you talk a little bit about the place of surrender versus developing will, spiritual will? Goals in life moving through or spiritual goals and surrender in the life? <clears throat> um, surrender is a big thing. Uh, you can't do surrender. Okay, I surrender. I don't think so. Ramana Maharshi said, asking the mind to kill the mind is like asking the policeman, the thief, to be the policeman. There'll be a lot of investigation, but no arrest will ever be made. So surrender isn't something that, that me does. Me purifies my heart. Me starts to think about other people. Me cares for people, serves people, does a little practice. And surrender happens when we're ripe. But unless you develop your ability to pay attention and do some practice and find ways to clean our hearts of selfishness and greed and shame and fear and all that shit, uh, surrender is not going to happen. Surrender is grace. And grace is always here, but we don't see it. We don't look for it. We're not aware of it. 
presence, love, our true nature is grace. And uh, so some people say, purify and wait for grace. I don't like waiting around. I, I don't mind purifying, but I'm not going to be waiting around. I'm going to be watching TV and having coffee and having a good time. But still, you have to purify the heart of its self-centeredness. And the fact that everything we do revolves around me. And that's what has to, that we can apply our will to. So the thing in the jungle <clears throat> that happened was uh, I was sitting with this yogi who was 163 years old. He's older now. That was 25 years ago. More. And uh, he just looked at me one day and he goes, ah. And I thought, what? He said, you have to develop willpower. And my thought was, willpower? What do I need that for? Now, if you don't think that's insane, you have as much of a problem as I had. He was sure, and then he saw that I didn't get what he said. So he did something inside of me and he showed me what he saw inside of me. And I saw it myself and I went, ah, and I realized I saw I was, I was putting chains around my own ankles. I wasn't living life. I was pretending I was, I was floating. I was not, I was not going after the things that I myself wanted for some reason, right? And I began to explore those reasons because he showed me very clearly what I was doing to myself. And I saw will, willpower is, you know, you want to you wanna eat something? I'm picking up my arm. I'm grabbing the food. I'm putting it in my mouth. That's will and desire for the food. Together, without the will or the desire, nothing happens. You need them both. So the desire to be free, for instance, of suffering and unhappiness and find love in this life, you have to use your will. If the two have to come together. And I wasn't doing that. And I was expecting, you know, everything to be showered on me. It wasn't going to happen. So that was a big thing for me. I, I really... It was a shock, and I, it, it changed me in a very deep way to see that so clearly. Another thing he said to me was, uh, he looked at me and he goes, this is like in the 80s. I was doing nothing, right? He looked at me and goes, ah, you're going to be famous. So I looked up and I said, and rich. I'll take my shot, right? Why not, right? He just laughed and he came up to me really nose to nose, eye to eye, and he said, famous. <laughs> I took my shot. It didn't work, but I took it. What are you going to do? He was funny. He was really, it was interesting to be with him. One day he looked at us and said, you remember Lincoln was shot? Oh, no, don't. You won't remember that. That's okay. He read about it in the papers. He was, he was 163 at the time. What can I tell you? You don't believe me. It's okay. I met his guru brother who was 270 before he died. You don't believe me. 
It's okay. And that guy, everybody knew him. In fact, I came back from India. I met this, his name was Deora Habala, and he was very famous in northern India. He lived in the same town for 200 years. Everybody knew him. He was grandfather's 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 guru. Everybody knew him. There was no mystery. I came back and I went to the supermarket. I swear this is true. And I was waiting to buy my food. And I looked, I saw the National Enquirer. It had a little thing on top. World's oldest man lives in India. And a picture of Deora Hababa. There at the A&P. There he was. But he had, he had left the body uh, shortly after that, after I saw him in 1989. They don't believe me, it's okay. And even if you say you believe me, you don't believe me. 